0: Hi everyone welcome to Riding into the unknown my name is Christina and my name is Monica and today we have for you episode 39 of season four we're going to be talking about one of the books that we have read so this is our first episode of the book club you're very welcome to this new series that we are just starting and every month we're going to be reading a new book and it's mostly going to be a non-fiction book that we have really enjoyed and have learned a lot about Today we're going to be talking about The Defining Decade. Uh, It's a book by Dr. Meg Jay. She's a a clinical psychologist um, and it's basically about why your 20s matter. So it talks about how to make the most of your 20s and how to set you and set you off for your future. So we've um dissected the book we read it quite a while ago money, didn't we so uh, it was a bit of a um, refresher we had to go through before starting this episode today but uh bless you <laughs> but um the book is divided into three main sections so we've got work body and love or relationships i believe yeah so do you want to start money by talking about the first section um, is it work the first one that we've got?
1: So the first, yeah, the first one's work. I just wanted to say, yeah, we read this about if I remember rightly it was a year ago now, so it's been a while. So we did have to do a little bit of a refresher, but just wanted to say this book is basically for anyone. It is mainly targeted for people like around their twenties, but you know if you're in your thirties, it's also quite useful, or even before that. Um, to get a bit of a head start it's really it provides really good advice as Chris said within the areas of work love and also the body essentially so the brain and body so I have the work here this is the work so I have the book here this is what it looks like and um, I really like the cover and um, yes yeah, so it's a really easy read it's split into a bunch of different chapters but that's the overall um main one so Should we just dive deep into work?
0: Yeah, definitely. I just want to say, um, those of you who are listening to the podcast version won't be able to see the book, but if you head over to our YouTube channel, um, hopefully soon we'll be able to upload all of our uh, videos that we've got pending. But uh, so the first section, we've got different sort of chapters that the author goes through. And one of them she talks about, she talks about weak ties. And this was really something very interesting. That I hadn't really come across before and if my memory serves me correctly because I genuinely haven't seen this in a long time um, she talks about the connections that you have with people and connections that you may not think are worthwhile or connections that you may think that they're not going to serve you as much and um, is those connections that you can also get a lot from in terms of networking so do you have any examples money of when this has happened to you
1: yes yeah, so really well said so the weak ties essentially are the networks that we create it's not essential. it's not focusing on our closest friends but the people that we meet at events the people that we meet at societies these people these links will actually help us um with Say you want to work for like a company and you go to a society that's um, say you want to work for sorry, a civil engineering firm and you go to the civil engineering society, you're gonna learn and meet people within that field, and it's gonna help you create connections that could help you get other connections, and it's all kind of like a domino effect. So I think weak ties are really important, and oftentimes a lot of us have our group, our groups of, a group of friends, sorry I can't talk today, have a group of friends and it's hard for us to get out of our comfort zone but that's why it is really, really important to get out there, to go to events that you're interested in, seminars, me and Chris did this when we were in the first year of university, second year even as well and this is how we've essentially allowed our surface area for serendipity to increase and connect with other people that we wouldn't otherwise have connected with and these weak ties have helped us with like finding different opportunities out there and these opportunities have essentially escalated and helped us find jobs so it is it kind of starts off as little bits and then it kind of helps you um in the long term so and then these weak connections you can also you know I know people who because I was part of societies at university I can now just reach out to if I for example I'm organizing something with work and because I know people from societies I can just reach out to them and it's not people that I spend like weekly or even monthly talking to but I know these people and I can I know I have contacts already and and just so many examples that I can think of of knowing different people I've been able to help my friends within a similar field get also connections and contacts within that I know personally because of these weak ties so it is quite important to just get out there and um, and just connect with people honestly you might think oh we have nothing in common or oh why would I talk to this person they're a big boss go ahead and talk to them I remember I went to an event and um yeah I was just doing like normal networking and this guy like spoke to me and um he ended up inviting me to another event and then I went and it's just like these connections
0: that that you make so weak ties are really important what do you think Chris? definitely i agree something similar has happened to me and i think a lot of people who have done the same you know have attended similar networking events as we have can testify to how beneficial it can be if done properly just you know going up to someone introducing yourself asking them what they do how they are and following the 80 20 rule which is really important which basically specifies um that when you introduce yourself to someone and when you're trying to network with someone, try and ask them questions about themselves more than just talking about yourself. So try and focus 80% of that energy on getting to know them and getting to see what, what they do and everything. And then just, you know, obviously if they are asking you lots of questions, feel free to answer and and keep the conversation going. But it's more about getting to know that person and making them feel they're being heard. And in that way, it really helps build that connection instead of talking mm. about me, 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 me. Wow. And they're not really going to feel as strongly, you know. And that can really help you in the future. I, I just remembered back to one of my, um, enge- it was one of the engineering networking galas I attended and it was I was just a little feeling a little bit shy and I was like I don't know who to speak to there's all these people and it was basically different uh, employees from different big uh, engineering employers who came about to this dinner and you were just sat in in a location uh, in a table with them but before that there was uh, just free drinks um, in the reception before you went um, to have dinner and I summed up the courage to speak to one of the um, one of the one of the people there and it was like 5 minutes till the the end of that section of the din- the dinner and sh- uh, this woman recommended i apply for the saltire internship program and had i not gone up and spoken to her i would have not found out about this program that i ended up applying for and then obviously she didn't get me the job like she just recommended i Did it, but it was just that finding out about this incredible internship program. I managed to, you know, go through the whole process and eventually do my internship in the States, which was so valuable for my career development and personal development as well. And just little things like that, you think, wow, it's destiny, but it's just putting yourself out there, as Moni said, Mm. getting yourself in these situations of discomfort that really help you get ahead in your career. Definitely. And I really like what you said just earlier on about
1: when you're creating a relationship with someone it is really important to make it you know both both sides are talking you're interested about them they're interested about you what can you offer them what can they offer you and it's not you selling yourself and telling them this is me 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 you know it's really really important and and it has a like long lasting impact on on how you know the, the relationship goes and and I totally agree like it's crazy about the solitary what you're talking about because it's really similar to you know my experience with the employer that I got uh, an internship with I actually because I was in the society for Civil engineers this person came along to one event that I went to and I heard about their company and I hadn't heard about their company before at all and that's when I decided to apply and when I applied that's when I got well I didn't get the I got the job first time but because of COVID didn't go ahead and then I did it second time so because I you know it's these little things that you do they actually make such a long-lasting impact and I was able to use their reference to apply because I knew them so if I hadn't gone to that event and spoken to that person for like 30 minutes I wouldn't have been able to I don't know if I would have gotten the job but you know what I mean like I wouldn't have known about the company in the first place so it's little things like that that are really important but Um, So talking about on the whole um, topic of and chapter of work well these are several several chapters but there is also another one called identity capital and essentially the idea of this is to sort of understand the skills relationships and professional professional essentially resources that we learn over time and during our life and it helps us understand ourselves better and with this in mind we can get opportunities or reach out or apply to things that are more related to what it is that we want to do in life and what it is that is a good fit for us as opposed to just taking up say like quote-unquote dead-end jobs or jobs that we're just doing for the money that we're just doing to kind of earn and um, with no sort of goal in mind and I also do want to point out of course like it's easier said than done if we need to pay for rent we need to pay for um different like bills and utilities and things like that it's not as easy to go and find um like to dedicate the time to make all these applications to get a job that we like so sometimes we just have to find a job that just gives us the money pays well and or just pays essentially so we can pay all of our our necessities but in terms of um in terms of thinking a little bit ahead and seeing where our life's trajectory is the earlier we think about where we want to go the easier it is for us to kind of have a little bit of a plan in place and know what direction to take our life and so that's why I think it is quite important to know what field you want to go into and a little bit just what your aspirations and and passions are so that you can sort of focus your attention on that as opposed to trying to like amass I have an amount of a huge amount of different jobs from different fields from different things and then you don't know what to do essentially and I think it links it quite well Um, sorry Chris I'll give you a minute to speak as well on this but it links in quite well to the other chapter um, that's called the unknown uh, the unthought known sorry where Meg basically Meg Jay basically talks about the jam experiment and the jam experiment is basically the the it's basically the whole paradox of choice and in the first example you have 24 flavors of jam and in the other uh, in the other case you have in the other scenario you have six flavors of jam and researchers showed that with the 24 fl- flavors of jam there were actually a lot less sales than in the six flavors of jam because you have more choice So this also applies essentially to the options that we have at work. If we feel like we have so many doors, so, so many doors, imagine 24 different fields that we can go into, we feel quite overwhelmed. So we don't really know where where to go. Whereas if we have, say, six options, we have a better idea of where our life is headed something that we can tailor a little bit more to our experiences our knowledge our personality and we have sort of a narrow range of options which essentially makes it a little bit easier for us to um, get better at and also step because essentially right? Say if you're doing a job that's completely different and you're doing that for two years, then you're doing another one for two years and you're doing another one for five and you're doing another one for three. It's a little bit hard for you to kind of progress. You're always going to stay sort of at a level and you're going to stay sort of, how would I say it? You're going to stay at a level that's not, how would you describe it, Chris? I would
0: say it's like you're in an entry-level position. If that's a change like industries, you change like your actual job completely like if you change companies where you're doing the same thing you're still following that line like progression line you know you're still going up but if you start I don't know in fashion like as a fashion designer as a entry-level applicant and then you start off in a construction site it's a completely different job yes you will have transferable skills but it's so different you will have to start from scratch so you're not really you know getting ahead as much as you would definitely and I think I mean we
1: do have all our lives to plan out and there's nothing wrong with changing industries and most of us to be honest change jobs constantly quite a lot and a lot of people change industries and and sometimes you do realize that your passions change your aspirations change and you're not always going to work in the construction industry or in the food industry and you want to you want to change but essentially having a clear idea when you're a little bit younger say your early 20s or even late 20s or even your late 30s um, having just a clear idea of what field you want to go into gives you a better way of just improving and and leveling up a little bit as opposed to as you said working entry-level positions your whole life you always stay sort of in that entry-level position without the possibility to progress so I think just doing one thing or one field and knowing the people in that field will also allow you to create connections because it essentially makes the circles a little bit smaller you know as opposed to in the fashion industry there's going to be a whole circle in the construction industry there's going to be another whole circle so it's just going to be a little bit harder for you to to find and get your feet on the sand and and move forward because there's it's just the the industries are so big
0: especially Um, these two circles are so different from each other like if you did construction but then I mean I'm not really sure if you did something with like quality surveying but then you decided to change to project controls they're still completely different um, fields but they go- could both work in, a, in construction so at least you would know the sim- a similar circle it would be a different circle but those circles could overlap however if you go to a completely different industry in a completely different circle it's way more difficult to you know Know the same people, you have to start from scratch. Yeah, definitely. Um, But I, yeah, I don't know if you wanted to add anything else there, Moni, but you've said so much. I need to like think back (laughs) um, to your points. What you were saying about the uh, the paradox of choice, though, I totally um, identify with that research because I consider myself a very indecisive person. And I do know that when I go to a restaurant and I have so many different options, I, probably would like take a really long time or just get overwhelmed and like feel like I want to go elsewhere yeah. whereas if I just see like a menu with like if just a few options I'm like perfect I'm just gonna look at this like five times and then I'm gonna decide you know I'm still yeah. gonna be decisive and but do you not <laughs> feel you,
1: do you not feel as though you feel more dissatisfied if you have 24 options and you choose one as opposed to if you have
0: three options and you choose one like you yeah. feel like you made a better choice if you have three right exactly yeah you feel more in control in a way so i think that's what it is is about the uncertainty and like the feeling of control that it gives you to have uh, yes shorter uh like less um, choice and less choice sorry less options to choose from um so you- there's, there's another way of um comparing different so evaluating which option is better i can't remember what it's called but it's basically imagine you have abc to choose from right Let's say, I mean, I don't know, different types of phones. <laughs> um So you've got uh iPhone, you've got Samsung, I mean, you've got Xiaomi. I don't know what other phones are like. I literally, yeah, I'm just an iPhone gal at the moment. So I don't even know what else exists. Really sorry. um For those who do not have an iPhone, <laughs> would you say Nokia or something?
1: Samsung, Nokia, Nokia. and what was the what one was... that started with L?
0: L. LG? <laughs> LG, that was it. Those are really old school though. Anyway, that's another conversation. Um, so imagine you have ABC. If you compare ABC, you're going to be really indecisive. Maybe I, 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 f- comparing phones is, is not a good example because you would take the iPhone, but <laughs> I promise I'm not sponsored. <laughs> um, but Imagine you're choosing between different uh, paint for your bedroom wall, okay? So you've got blue, pink, and green, right? So instead of comparing blue to pink to green, you would compare blue to pink and see which one you like more. You would compare blue to green and then to see, okay maybe I like this green one more. And then you would also compare pink to green. And then in those three separate comparisons, you would choose which one you like most. And the one that wins the most times, then you'd go for that one, if that makes sense. Because you can isolate them and really evaluate like the pros and cons of each In between them, which really helps you narrow down your search. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? That's really, really
1: good. I think that's such a good um, way to think about it, right? Because you just brought me back to when I was helping a friend out with her choices. And I did the exact same thing that you have just mentioned about the colors. So I think she had different options. It was following a PhD, finding, so it was doing a PhD in, so doing a master's in London. Another option was traveling abroad and starting a company or um, continuing on with or finding a job like in Scotland or something. And that was for different choices. So, what I suggested was don't think about the three, think about two. What would you do in this case? Would you apply for the master's in London or would you continue or would you find a job in, say, Glasgow or Scotland? What would you do and, and choose one? And then I compared it to the other one with the moving abroad. And once you do that, it's so much easier to choose as opposed to having
0: to compare the three. So I really like that you mentioned that. Um, yeah. That's yeah. a really good example. I mean, way better than the paint one. Like it really <laughs> shows like realistically how this applies to real life, you know, like it's a life choice situation and you really have to break it down in order to really evaluate what matters yeah. to you the most. Definitely. But um, you also talked about the the effort that, we must put or we should put like into developing ourselves professionally as well because obviously you did say that a lot of people well most people have to pay bills you know and bills don't get paid by themselves so sometimes we have to take up jobs that are not our dream jobs just in the meantime while we you know get some savings up and you know get something going for us So something that we can do, though, I mean, if there's people who obviously cannot, but like most of us, that we can afford to do is dedicate at least one hour a week into our professional development and maybe signing up to a course or doing some learning on YouTube, like some free resources online. There's so many free resources into something that will help you get to that goal. Imagine maybe you want to, get more proficient with python you want to learn how to code or maybe you want to be a better manager and want to do a course on that really developing your skills that's what your 20s are also for therefore learning as much as you can and then in your 30s and so on you really hone down on those skills and refine them and become an expert on your field but in your 20s it's more about you know fortifying that knowledge And it may seem scary. You're like, oh, but I'm in my 20s. I want to enjoy myself. And yes, of course, enjoy yourself. But like we said, it's about striking a balance because investing in your future is really worthwhile. And this is something I wanted to say also about the book is that that I think Moni and I don't really agree on. Yeah. But it's the fact that, oh, yeah, I was just going to say.
1: Yeah, it was on that topic that I wanted to say, because you were saying it's about balance and. It's about also enjoying your twenties, but I don't think if you're doing research, so say in that hour, do something that you find fulfilling, like go and learn something that you find fun and it's not going to feel like a chore. It's not going to feel like you're not enjoying your twenties because you're learning about something that you're interested in. For example, I actually, sorry, I'll, I don't know if this is what you were going to talk about or if it was similar, but basically uh-huh. something that I read, I read an article recently and it was about for example right say you're really interested in philosophy and you study the degree at university you're going to feel a sense of like oh this is such a chore like I don't enjoy philosophy as much as I used to and there was this really good saying um where it says if you really want to be a painter or you really want to enjoy painting don't sell any of them like don't sell any paintings because that's when you're going to enjoy it whereas if you're making it into like a job and you're making it into something that has monetary value then there's going to be more more pressure Pressure. then it's not going to be as fun so the same thing with learning about python if it's something that you really enjoy go and learn that if it's something if you're really into philosophy which i'm really interested in i don't learn it for any monetary value or anything really it's just out of pure enjoyment for myself and every day I probably spend like at least an hour just reading articles or watching videos and it's something that I enjoy so find something obviously you can find something that you feel will help you career-wise because that's really beneficial for sure and and you can become more of an expert but if there's nothing that you find um you want to do in terms of like professionally also do something that you find for leisure that you find fun something you want to learn within that hour because it can always help you like in the future in some way I think
0: um, yeah
1: I think I was going fun.
0: at it I was coming at it from a different angle though I feel like I totally agree with that and I'd love to do that as well but more from the development of a career side mm. so if you don't have a job in what you want yet why don't you have a job do you not have the skills needed? or you don't have enough experience, etc. try and focus that energy into getting there, you know, because this part-time job or this job that you have um, that is not, you know, using your degree or, or doing what you want is temporary. How do you get to your per- permanent job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's, I totally agree I with what you were saying. Um, and also I was talking about, the fact that we disagree on the book in the sense that I believe that the book is great. It gives great, great advice, but it's also very in your face about a lot of the stuff that it covers. It's very like, you need to get your stuff to like, I mean, your shit together. <laughs> you need to get your shit together um, in your twenties because otherwise you're gonna be messed up for the rest of your life. I mean, she doesn't say it like this, but it <laughs> sounds a bit preachy at points, and I feel like, I mean, you and I are doing our best, and I feel like we're doing great, um, but yes, I think your 20s is also about getting to know yourself as a person, exploring different things, because as you said, you're, you're not gonna know what you want to do straight away, it's about trying things, trial and error, you know, um, you know what you like to do by knowing what you don't like to do a lot of the time. So if I, if I do an internship in something very technical and I don't really enjoy it, then probably my dream role, if you want to call it like that, is not going to be doing something very technical. Maybe I would enjoy more of a managerial position or something else like that. Yeah. So with the book, she talks a lot about, yeah, you need to, you know, um, get in a serious relationship, have a, a great job and like, start earning all this money blah 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 and i think it takes time everybody's in their own journey and some people may have had luck like a lot of people have lots of unfair unfair advantages that play to their benefit that other people don't have and it takes more time for others you know people are really fast learners they're blessed with great intelligence you name it everybody has their own journey so you cannot expect for all to just have everything figured out.
1: Yeah, definitely. I do agree with your point, And I do agree that we're all in our own journey. And you can't just say, because you're in your 20s, this is how you should be doing things. And this is at the stage of your life, you should have it all figured out. I think the way I see it is the book is sort of like a tool and it's sort of a book of advice. And no matter what journey you are, there's people that are in their 30s, they could be in their 40s, they could be in their 50s. I think we can benefit from this so I think it is you know it is the defining decade with a big 20 in the middle which kind of implies that it is targeted to the 20s I think anyone can read this book no matter what stage in your life you are at so it's never too
0: late um like it's literally never too late to have I mean the book so I was going to just say the book is called the defining decade why your 20s matter that is the full title of the book does it not say on the the oh yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. No, but like that's the title of the book, but I'm saying that it's not I agree, just people I agree in our you. 20s. Yeah. But um, yeah, with your point, I think that what it's trying to get at, I think it's just for people that are in their 20s to actually think about these things and actually start to plan ahead. Because I think a lot of people in their 20s are lost and they're not sure what they want to do. They're not sure what to do within work, within love within relationships within body and brain and the other chapters that are in this book and I think it's a good sort of tool and um yeah just pay, uh, pages of advice that can be useful to people and I know it's, it depends how you take it you know you don't have to take it to heart and say oh I'm not at this stage like I'm such a failure and this is how I should be and I think that's why it's quite good because it offers stories from her patients Um, people who have went to see her and and how they've turned their lives a little bit upside down from what they went in thinking and then what they've achieved at the end of it and it kind of helps us to see okay like I, I can learn from these stories as well without having to go through them myself um so yeah I don't think it should be a book that discourages people or that makes people feel bad about where they're at whether they're confused or overwhelmed or not sure about what they want to do in, in different realms of their lives and aspects of their lives but i think essentially it's reading it and and seeing okay what areas am i perhaps lacking in and what areas do i need to work on that i feel as though i'm not um putting a lot of attention in th- i think i really want to go into the love category and we can discuss mm. a little bit about, about that yeah. but.
0: I was going to yeah. say, I, I like the way that you described it because it just shows that it's a tool. Like you said, it doesn't ha- you don't have to take everything, you know. Take like, it with a pinch exactly. of salt. <laughs> yeah, it's like you take what works for you, what doesn't work for you, just leave it. Definitely. Um, there was uh, something like from the book, I barely remember anything because I've read it like, I don't know, like a couple of years ago now. I can't remember. Yeah, a while, a while back. But the thing that stayed with me a lot what is um when it when it talked about fertility about uh, female fertility? Do you remember that section? Yeah, I remember that for me. I mean, it scared me a little bit. I was like, oh. <laughs> it just talks about basically women are most fertile in their late twenties. Was that correct? Um, yeah. I mean, I would fact check that. I'm not sure, but um, it just talks about when you reach reach 35, the likelihood of you becoming pregnant um halves. And then when you're at forty, it's like a fourth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's really difficult by that time to to have children. And so if you imagine, I mean, if you're like a career woman like we are, <laughs> um, you if you want to have kids, it's like you should, in theory, have like be thinking of that and like so try. I guess. Pardon. Yeah, like be thinking
1: about it or or just having in mind that if you're prioritizing your career, it's also going to be a little bit harder as well for you to have kids. And it's just kind of the reality. It's not trying to put you off or trying to put your pressure. It's just kind of making you aware of the statistics yeah. um, <laughs> you know, and probabilities that it, yeah. it is less likely, you know?
0: Yeah. And um, it was interesting because with the way that I think, my personality, I just, I no longer have a plan of what my future will look like. And I remember back in first year of university, I had a plan. I was gonna be studying for the next five years. That was my plan and then who knows. And then I kind of fell off a cliff when I reached my fifth year. Cause I was like, this is the abyss. Like, I don't know what is next quarter life crisis. I don't know what is happening. What do I do with my life, right? And now I just, I'm just kind of like, going along with the flow, like taking every opportunity I come across, but not without a clear plan in mind. And may seem scary, may not. I'm just happy to be on this like train or whatever that is taking me who knows where. But at at the same time, it's interesting because after speaking to friends, I know friends who have like a clear plan that it may or may not go, you know, to what they they are planning. But they're like, okay, in the next five years, I want to do this. And the next five, I want to have children and get married, blah, blah. blah. And then the next this. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm so overwhelmed. Like, how do you plan all of this stuff? You know, and probably comes it becomes true. Probably it doesn't. But they have this plan. Whereas for me, I'm just like, I see that. Um, I remember that chapter about fertility. I'm like, I mean, I love children. Yeah, I'd love to have kids someday. Who knows? But then I'm like, oh god like how do I even get you know what I mean because there is just empty I'm like how do I even get there and you know what um, it, is? it is a bit scary I think I think you start
1: thinking about the whole kids thing when you're in a serious relationship and you start thinking about that because I feel like it's hard to, exactly it's hard to think okay I'm gonna have kids but then you're like with who you know what I mean <laughs> like I think yeah. I think that's when you start thinking about kids when you're actually in say a committed relationship and maybe you start thinking about marriage or you start thinking about um, cohabiting together and, and moving in. And then you start thinking about maybe, should we have kids? Should we not? And I feel like it's, it's, the, it's having that person because I feel like it is a, bit, a little bit hard. Like when I was younger and I wasn't in a relationship or anything, I used to think, yeah, I'd love to be a mom someday, but I didn't really have a clear idea of it. I just thought, oh, kids, they exist. I'm sure you'll have them one day. But it's hard to actually say what age and what your plan is because there's no partner there, you know? Exactly. So I think once you get to the stage where you have a partner, then it's a little bit easier to plan. And I think that's when things will start to fall into place a little bit easier. But that's Um, what I mean. So like
0: when you don't have, like there's this gap, you think, how do I get there? and even but it can work with for with so many different things like if you have a goal it's about breaking it down but it feels so difficult to break down if you have no plan whatsoever so what do you think are you the kind of person who likes to have the next five ten years planned in advance or do you just go with flow
1: so as
0: of recently I've been a much more
1: go with a flow person I think Like previously, I was very much five years, 10-year plan. What am I going to be doing? Where am I going to be living? What am I going to be working as? And it started to get a little bit overwhelming because you create these expectations in your head. And then what happens if they don't go to plan? You are attached to the idea of expectations. And the more you envision the future for yourself, the more disappointed you will be because the future never pans out as you expect it to be, it never pans out exactly as you thought it would be, maybe similar, it might be similar but there's going to be changes so I think now I'm a lot more embrace the present and if things feel right right now that's good, if you're in the right path that's good and it's important to think a little bit about the future, I'm not just like blindly doing things and then I don't know what's what's next but I think for me right now, it's more one year, two year, five year plan as opposed to 10 year, 15 year plan, because that's just too far for me. So yeah, I'm a lot more think about the now and don't be attached to expectations because essentially the more expectations you have, the worse it will be for yourself. What about you, Grace?
0: Yeah, I think that that is, deep down, the reason why I don't have any expectations is because I'm so afraid of what if it doesn't become true. And I think I've, that's been the way that I've thought for so long. Like, I remember during exam season at uni, I'd be like, oh my God, I failed, I failed, I failed. And then I would pass. And then I was like, why did I say that? Like, why did I, you know, why did I think that? But it's just like preparing for the worst because I was too afraid. Oh. You know, if you, if you fail, oh yeah, like I knew I was going to fail anyway. And you think... And- you, Try and convince yourself that you didn't care or it didn't matter. But and were you happier broken. when you passed? Maybe, yeah. Because you are you're already have an expectation that's a little bit like, I think that's so toxic. I don't like it. But no, like you it know 5%. what? They, um, you know, Ali Abdal just released a
1: video and I was watching it yesterday and it was talking exactly about this. It was called The Pessimistic. Like it's basically spoke about why happiness is... No, it wasn't like why happiness is toxic, but it was something to do why with- Why happiness like, is like subjective or like- No, it was, perception. oh, wait, let me look it up. Two yeah, seconds. look it up. And um, the video was literally about two seconds. I feel like
0: I don't want to make high. up
1: titles <laughs> and then say <laughs> the wrong thing. But yeah. Okay, so the video was called Why Positive Thinking is Bad for You. Mm. And he basically <sighs> spoke, he basically spoke about- um what was it called um I forgot the name of the um, wait a second what do you mean he was talking about different like frameworks I guess you could call them and it was called sorry (laughs) what was it called again okay I will find it Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but it basically what you said. It's. I really wish I I made a note of it. It's okay, no problem. But anyway, sorry I'm taking. We'll put it long. in the description. Yeah, we'll put it in the description because it basically talks about what we're talking right now. Yeah. So, essentially, the more. If you have these expectations of. I'm going to achieve this I'm going to be the CEO of this company I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that and then you don't achieve it you're going to have like a worse future because like your your future self will live like less happy than you actually envisioned it because you had these expectations for yourself that probably like aren't going to be true in the way that you envisioned them whereas if you think it more like what was the example he gave trying to remember i think it was something like if you have sort of the other like pessimistic perspective then you're going to be much happier because essentially your your bar was so low as you were saying that if you kind of come over you're going to be happier
0: yeah Um, i mean i think it's you have to strike a balance again because i don't think that thinking i was going to fail is good for me Oh yeah, And I don't think, oh, I'm going to get 100% is logical. either. Like, it's not going to work um, because getting 100 is impossible in engineering. But um, I think it's about, you know, being more, yeah, going with the flow. Like, just take everything and, and be grateful for it. You know, like, you got this job. Woohoo, great. Like, who knows what's going to come next? You know, enjoy the yeah. present. Do the best that you can and don't think oh my god like I got this job but like I'm gonna get fired soon like or oh, I'm not good enough I mean I don't know is that pessimistic <laughs> not maybe. but um, you know what I wanted to say though yeah I think on, yeah, the, yeah. on the
1: same topic of go with the flow and blah 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 I think it's very very important that if you're going with the flow make sure that you feel like you're heading in the right direction Because if you feel like you're doing things just to live in the present and YOLO and, oh, I'm enjoying myself now. Who cares about the consequences? Live in the present. Who cares about the future? Are you also going in the path that you feel is right? And are you doing things with intention? Like, I think it's also like, because I feel as though, okay, the job that I'm doing right now, it has a greater purpose. And I feel like it does have the right intention that I want to pursue like that that job and the relationship that I'm in I feel like it has the right intention like I feel like I'm doing it with and I'm going in the right path like say if you're in a toxic relationship or you're in a job that you hate don't just do it because you're like live in the present worry about it later
0: no if no you feel no. something I... is
1: wrong change something like is your attitude wrong towards this maybe it's time to change and maybe it's time to do something else to better your future and i think that's what i want to talk about with relationships but yeah that's go an excellent ahead.
0: point let's let's jump into relationships i was going to say that's an excellent point because yeah so true like i don't think going with the flow is the right term then i think it's just don't hold yourself to unrealistic standards of perfection like nothing is going to go perfectly a- according to plan something is gonna not go wrong, but like just go differently, you know? It's not gonna go exactly the way that you envisioned it because there's so many factors that come into play. But that doesn't mean it's bad, it's just different. And you just have to learn to adapt. And in that sense, yes, go with the flow, but as you said, go in the right flow, an intentional flow and create opportunities for yourself that will allow you to go in that direction. So for example, you getting this job, that is the right direction. But did you expect it? Did you think you were gonna take a year out of university? No, but it's like Mm -hmm. a happy accident, I'd say. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so now
1: going into the topic of love, the first sort of chapter talks about an upmarket conversation. And what it essentially is talking about is that a lot of people now who are in their 20s are kind of into the whole hookup culture and you know you know what I'm talking about the whole hookup culture and Meg uh, Meg Jay's advice is to not be afraid to get into a serious relationship early and I don't know if our thoughts are different yes what did you to to get into a serious Mm -hmm. relationship early like to to not be afraid essentially to get into
0: a serious relationship early and I want to hear what your thoughts are on this one I think We've had this discussion before, and I think it's such an interesting topic because I'm trying to be very open minded with this and there's I don't think there's a right way for everybody, as we said, everyone has a different journey. People mature at a different point in their lives. they get to know themselves like they have an evolutionary period of getting to know themselves over a different period of time as well and maybe they're not ready for commitment etc they want to explore and experience getting to know other people and so i wouldn't automatically say it works for everyone everyone has to be in a serious serious relationship straight away but yeah i understand her point in the book excuse me yes <laughs> <laughs> i think
1: i think with what she says i really like her advice and I can definitely understand it from what you said, Chris, in terms of everyone's at a different point in their life. Some people are happier with the hookup culture. They don't really are not looking for something serious. Um, They don't want to be committed. But I personally feel from my perspective that if you want to be fulfilled in a relationship or you want to feel a sense of stability, you let's be honest you're going to be much more fulfilled with someone who you feel like you can open up to who you can be vulnerable with who you feel like you are have a safe home with um not like a, a literal home but you you know what I mean like you feel comfortable with this person as opposed to being with someone um just for the night or just casual and you know you you can't feel like you can open up as as safely which is why I feel like it is um important or
0: good I guess to get into a serious relationship early and I was gonna add sorry I think also with a sense like we're talking about hookup culture and we're comparing it with a serious relationship but there's also being single and a lot of people aren't ready or don't want to be in a relationship oh yeah and they get to know themselves and they have friends to lean on for their emotional support and there's people who, yeah, there's all sorts of people who have different agendas and different things that they want to accomplish throughout their life. And I believe that you can just say, okay, yeah, this is the right way. Yeah,
1: definitely. I really like that you highlighted that because I think in society, there is a lot of pressure to be in a relationship and to find the love, the true love of your life and to be, have a partner and, you can be happy on your own you can have your friends and your family and you don't need anyone like you don't need anyone but I think with this point in mind and talking about actual you know romantic relationships I think sort of comparing the two hookup culture and um serious relationship I think from serious relationships there is that sense of you know attachment and maybe if you're doing the hookup I don't know what to call it but hookups I guess there's maybe not, not that much sense of attachment i don't really know i i don't personally um what's the word i don't follow this sort of uh, culture or whatever like i'm a more serious relationship type of gal um personal <laughs> personal preference but i also feel like through the serious relationships you learn a lot about understanding communication Um, different things that you I guess would want to find in a husband or a long life partner and if you want to have children you want to be able to discuss these things like if you are in a serious relationship you discuss how can we best communicate how can we best work in a team how are we going to manage tasks how are we going to manage our finances how are we going to manage our different schedules how are we going to um, ensure that we're understanding that we are um, like collaborative, that we are listening to our love languages. And through this work and through having a serious relationship, you have more time to invest on this person. And, um, And just learn about yourself. You learn a lot about yourself when you're with someone. You learn a heck of a lot about yourself and your insecurities and your strengths and your weaknesses and your things that you probably didn't even uncover on your own. Because when you're on your own, you're in a sense... In your safety zone as well because it's very hard for you to be to know things from a different perspective or for you to be critical of yourself like it's I'm, I'm not saying it's hard for you to be critical of yourself that's that's easy but do you know what I mean like it's hard for you to know what it's like to it's have to care for someone else and have to put the, your-
0: um unknown knowns So you don't know things, but other people can
1: see them. 100%. 100%. So you're not going to know, say you're single, you're not going to know the, what you said, the unknown knowns, because you only know yourself as you know yourself. So when you bring someone else into the equation, a partner, it's much easier for them to identify things that you didn't know about yourself. So Sorry, I feel like I'm repeating the same thing, but you do end up a lot um discovering a lot about yourself. Whereas I feel like if you're doing hookups, you don't get into so much depth, depth in the relationship that you can you can learn a lot about yourself, I think for sure, in different aspects. But I think there's not that much depth to it, Mm -hmm. in my personal opinion. I also and just to finish off, I think and when I'm saying this from my perspective, again, let's take it. When, for example, if I'm looking for a long life partner, I want to know about these things. I want to know how do they deal with conflict? How do they communicate? How do they, how are they understanding? Are they compassionate? How do they treat other people? How do they treat me? And how do they deal with their finances? How do they do X, Y, Z? And through being in a relationship, whether you're in a relationship that didn't work out whether you are in a long uh, term relationship you're always going to learn from them all and every single time you're going to sort of like understand who you want to be with and what you're looking for in a partner and you start to kind of identify these things a little bit more so then when you're going to be with someone long term you have a better idea as opposed to just like going around and not really being sure what it is that you want that was what I wanted to
0: say. No I I agree and I think It's also important to note that I think being in a good healthy relationship where both people support each other and complement each other, not complete each other, because that's very Mm. different, is very often better or feels more fulfilling than being single, let's say, because you have that support, you you have someone to lean on, someone you can learn from, someone you can grow together with, but having... A bad relationship, a toxic relationship, being with someone who's not a good fit is way worse than 100%. either of those two. One hundred. So I think a lot of the time, it takes it takes time to find someone like that and someone who can who's a good match. But you also and learn, right? You learn. Yeah, it's it's you learning a relationship. You don't know. No, exactly, exactly. It's a learning opportunity. But I think that with the what did we call it upmarket? yeah um, up market conversation up market conversation it's important to know our own worth you know like know what we're looking for in a partner and actively seeking for those qualities and not just settling for mm-hmm. somebody who does not meet those requirements because yes it's good to have an experience and learn from the experience and just have fun like we're young like we're gonna as I said it's a balance between like working and 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 enjoying ourselves um working can also be fun sometimes (laughs) but but it's about recognizing that it's I it's better to be on your own working on yourself figuring everything out than being with someone where you imagine you feel really codependent or Mm. there's no good communication going on yes you will learn a lot through the pain and maybe not everything is bad etc but it's not a space where you can truly grow into the person that you want to be and with the person that you want to be with
1: definitely and I think with that I also wanted to touch on I think a lot of the time as well, we think, "Oh, I need to be fully complete and I need to be whole before I go up with someone." But it's very, very hard to be fully complete and fully whole until you're with someone. And I feel like a lot of the time you're only just waiting, 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 and trying to do the inner work, and then you're not actually opening yourself up to someone because it's really hard to just not have any baggage, deal with all your traumas, be fully complete. Like, of course, you're gonna slip up even when you're in a relationship, and that's what it's for. Is for you guys to work together and how can the other person help you heal your traumas as well but at the same time I'm not saying just go find someone because you have unhealed traumas and you need to be relying on someone because that leads to the whole you know um, co-dependency and everything like that so make sure that you are working yourself doing the inner work and and healing your traumas and going see a therapist or you know dealing with these things before you do get into a relationship but also don't just like wait until you've like healed yourself completely because that is like impossible if that makes sense like you can't just you're always going to have something that you need to work on so don't just like wait until you fully resolved all of your issues because you're always going to have them if that makes sense so don't just wait until until they're like healed so that you can find someone um because there's always going to be issues. Like issues don't go away. <laughs> like you always have issues, no matter what. So you might as well um just, like, essentially, if they're like, you know what I mean by the whole issues thing. Like there's obviously very Yeah, degrees, I totally understand but it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I totally get you. It's um, so important to just be yourself and show yourself as you are with all of exactly, your exactly flaws. Like Definitely. you're flawed in one way or another. That's
1: what makes us unique. Yep. Okay. So, on the other ones, I'm going to just quickly get to them because we also have the brain and the body to get through. But the other um, topics, I'll just run them through quickly if that's okay, Chris. So, the other ones picking your family. So, it is really important that you know about your um, significant other's background, that you know about their family, because it is quite important. You are marrying, well, sorry, I'm saying marrying, you don't have to marry them, but say you're marrying them, you're marrying into family as well. Or if you're living long-term with this person, you're also, I guess the family's going to be involved. I'm not too sure how I feel about this one because there's parts of me that feels like, yes, the family is very, very important, but at the same time, is it a deal breaker? What what are your thoughts on this?
0: I think for me, the most important is how do they treat their family? And I mean, if they have a bad relationship with their family, like doesn't take away from how good they are as a person or how well they treat you etc but it's just how they treat others it shows like oh, yeah the treatment they have with their parents like is there respect or siblings if they have any etc i think it's really important to see that and then obviously i mean whether you're lucky or not maybe your mother-in-law loves you or, or she doesn't but yeah
1: And and ladies, how does your man treat their mother? That's quite an important indication, usually. Like, it is important. Like, if you see your man treating, like, their mother just badly, Mm, not probably not a good sign, but I don't know. Um, Yeah, I think as you said, Chris, like, every family is really different. Um, So if your partner, you know, um, it's how they treat their parents and what type of, like they don't have to have a, a super close knit relationship, and and some people, you know, there's different family circumstances, and it all depends. Some people just don't have a good family dynamic, but it's more about how they, yeah, just how they treat their family, really, whether the relationship's good or bad. Like how how do they react to it, and how do they talk about their family members? I think is quite important. I okay, the other how they
0: react to it. That is- yeah, how
1: do they react to it as well? And even if there's conflict, how do they react to the conflict? Do they get angry? Do they get, you know, um, mad? And do they start like punching things? Or are they more calm and composed and accepting and, and understanding to the family members? Are they respectful? It's it's important to watch out for these things. Okay, the next thing is the cohabitation effect. So essentially, Jay talks about the whole moving in together, not moving in together and testing the waters before you actually go in to move together because, so doing you by testing the waters I, th- I mean things like going on a big trip with them or um just going on like difficult excursions or adventures to see how they react and more about their character and, and going through difficult situations before moving in together because when you're moving in together you're essentially like meshing your lives together as well and it is a whole new it takes a whole new Toll, no, I don't want to say toll, but it takes a whole new responsibility, I guess. I don't know what the right word is like a different
0: stage, a different stage
1: on your relationship. It's completely different for you to have your separate homes to then for you to move together. And it's not the same thing for you to be living together short term or for you to be living together full term because, um, essentially, say you're living together for five years and you want to get married, but you start having issues. It's so much harder for you to leave. No, I'm not saying you have oh to leave. Again? I'm- Sorry. Say you're leaving someone, you're living with someone for five years and you start having really, really crazy issues. Oh, okay. It's going to be harder for you to say leave or for you to go and live in your separate homes now that you've taken such a big step. As opposed to that, if you got to know each other for five years in your separate homes and there's issues, it's a little bit easier for you to say, oh, maybe I shouldn't go a little bit further because I'm seeing so many red flags right now. As opposed to if you just jump into living together like immediately. And then within five years, you're like, oh my God, like there's been so many issues within these five years of living together. If that makes sense. Like it's it does make sense. To, uh... I feel
0: like it depends on the, on the couple. And I think what is really important is the level of communication that there is. One hundred percent. And and I I liked what you mentioned about. I mean, it's on the book about seeing your partner in situations of high stress, high conflict, etc. To really see how they react when they what when what are they like when they're really angry? You know, because maybe if you are dating someone and you only go on dates and they only show you their good side, you don't know what they're like like behind the, the scenes and when. Um, stuff goes wrong and they're all like fired up about something like what are they really like when they're angry you know
1: yeah like you have to go through struggles to know what are they like at their lows and really like test them and see do they get really 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 mad do they shout at you or are they understanding do they want to see how you speak from your perspective Do do they ask you what can I do for you and how can I help you and and how can I be a good Good support for you right now or are they like
0: oh but why are you moody and but why, are you, I also, fe- yeah. why are you
1: crying you know what I mean
0: but I also think it's about what I said communication like 100%. yes maybe they they tell you oh why are you moody uh tell them you 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 don't like when they say that like just be like yes that's not okay like you you shouldn't question why I'm moody like I'm on exactly. my period like let and, me be <laughs> you know And they're I mean? not perfect either so yeah exactly like they might
1: Like snap at you, and that's okay. You might snap back, but it's about how after it, like, can you realize? Okay, I might have snapped at you. I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. And you learn from your experience. And but if it keeps happening and happening, and you feel like you're they're not really improving, and they have these patterns of just aggression and and toxicity, then maybe it's time to like, if you've communicated and you've talked it out, maybe it's time to like seek out other solutions. Um, to see how you can
0: actually best navigate those things. Yeah, and going back to the cohabitation effect, I think we did talk about this in one of our previous episodes, I remember now. Um it's also really advantageous, I think. I mean, it would be great in theory if you could have that period of trial before you the actual big move, you know, like give it a go, like go and live together for a bit just temporarily, like stay at each other's houses for a bit and see what it's like like yeah. would it work are you comfortable Definitely. do they do they get on your nerves about certain things you have pet peeves that you just can't get over stuff like that
1: yeah and I think something I also wanted to highlight just before I move on to something else is I think every person has a very different outlook on relationships as well here we're heavily we're talking to probably a an audience that is say we're not really talking about marriage at the moment um as you've probably noticed on our on our discussion um so it's probably relationships that are maybe aren't looking for marriage or people couples that are um looking to like they're dating and then look to uh, move together and things and then maybe they get married a later date or maybe they don't get married but if we look at people that um say religious couples um D- depending on on what religion you you follow but for example I know for example in Islam like you don't date <laughs> you don't date you know what I mean so essentially it's more about compatibility and if you're both you know um, good Muslims and then your family sees that um, your partner or your future like future husband future wife has a good like good qualities that they know would be a good fit then you're ready to um get to know each other with um with like a family member and then you speak and then you kind of get to know each other and then it's like wedding time you know what i mean and then after wedding you get to actually really really know the person and it's through the the wedding that you actually get to really like understand move together so it's after the wedding and i'm sure it's the same for a really similar for christian Um, like Christian marriages as well Um, they probably like they move in after the marriage as opposed to before the marriage I'm saying this is very individual to each person but I'm just saying as a general what the sort of general um, scenario would be Um, and
0: then you get to know the person after marriage so yeah anyway just wanted to say that yeah definitely and everyone is different in their ways some people don't want to get married some people don't want to oh, 100% yeah. no, none of that and that is totally fine totally fine. some people like to be with so many different partners over the lifetime someone is like waiting for the one and has found the one and they're going to be with the one for the rest of their lives like yeah totally okay definitely
1: um I had other things to say about that as well in terms of like relationships that I something I read was that even if our relationship ends, it doesn't mean that it was a failure because you learned so much from it. And I think a lot of people think, oh my goodness, like what's wrong with me? Like the relationship ended, but you shouldn't think about it. The relationship ended. It's like, what good memories did I have? What did I learn from it? And it's not ended. Like you had such a good time and it's not about a relationships not measured by whether it ended or not or whether it lasted a lifetime. It's measured it's just not measured by that you know it's not a failure because it ended type of
0: it's like I really like this it's not really is it a quote could be a quote it's basically a saying that goes some people are meant to be in your life forever some people are meant to be in your life for For a season season. or like a day or or whatnot or or a reason the other reason reason yeah that was it um and it I think it's so true so many people go and come in their lives let it be relationships friendships etc and some of them are no longer in our lives, but not that they're died. basically maybe we're not friends with them, they, we don't talk to anymore, et cetera. And those people have taught you so much and it doesn't mean that you regret ever getting to know them. You know, they maybe made you into the person you are today or maybe mm-hmm. they made you, uh, made a very like little tiny impact in your life. Like they made you think about a topic in a different way. All of those little interactions that we have are worth something and same goes with relationships you know failed relationships are not really failed like you said money you learn so much you grow as a result you become more resilient and then next time about you probably you'll know yourself better you'll know not to make the same mistakes and yeah you'll hopefully be better off I think that's definitely important if you do take the
1: time to actually analyze your previous relationship as opposed to like jumping 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 around and then not really knowing why you're getting into those relationships um so I'm, I'm glad we mentioned that okay the next one is the big five so kind of the last one of the love category and these are basically top five i guess you could call them qualities or you could call them um like five factors i said i guess um, so basically the big five refers to five factors that describe how people interact with the world so the more i, I can't remember exactly but i think the more I remember this now yeah the more similar you are in these sections like the better so the first one is openness crease what one are you uh what was Lower high bit? so uh, the low one is practical conventional prefers routine skeptical rational shies away from new things high open to new experiences intellectually curious creative imaginative adventurous insightful
0: so i think i'm very practical but i i would define myself as an open-minded person so i think i'm quite open in that sense. okay so you would say hi yeah
1: okay so there's openness there's conscientiousness there's extroversion agreeableness and neuroticism that's the okay final. let's rate ourselves what are you okay so uh openness i would say i would say hi for sure yeah i would say hi yep okay conscientiousness relaxed about so low would be relaxed about standards easygoing can be careless spontaneous prone to addiction and the other ones disciplined efficient organized responsible dutiful self-directed thorough and can be
0: controlling i'm definitely high (laughs) i'm quite high in that scale i'm definitely high quite high
1: (laughs) yes okay extroversion like solitary time shy reserved energized by being alone quiet independent cautious aloof and the other ones outgoing enthusiastic active novelty seeking gets energy from interaction with others talkative
0: i feel like when i'm insecure i'm quite shy and introverted and then when i'm feeling very confident. I'm like very extroverted. But naturally, I am an introvert. Like mm-hmm. I retreat into my shell when I'm feeling like, "Oh, what is happening? So like that is my, my instinct. Okay, so if you're really upset, would you retract more in your shell? Yeah, I, I mean, I am okay. an, an introvert after all.
1: So you know that. what? I feel like I've always been more introverted than extrovert. But now that I think about it, I'm actually... I think I'm maybe high for this one just because now that I think about it, whenever I'm sad, I always like go out to like, talk to someone. Like, I feel like, I think, I I also talk to someone. Yeah. Like I'm always very like, Oh, but I need to tell you my problems type of thing instead of like keeping to myself and thinking, Oh, like, why am I upset? Like I'll go to like the first person of close contact and I'll like tell them my problem. And then I think I need to vent off
0: to someone. Yeah.
1: Like, would you be more like oh i'm really upset i'm going to keep it to myself i'm going to cry myself no yeah
0: i'm definitely no, 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 like no. tells i don't like to bottle things up like that yeah like i just like to like run and like get it out of the way me 100% <laughs> going with like, my life
1: <laughs> yeah cuz i always think like oh i love my alone time but then see sometimes when i'm just like at home myself i'm like oh i want to talk to people like i just want to talk to people so i think i'm probably more extroverted actually now see I Do think you, like, it depends slightly
0: it, I think it depends on our environment because I I keep saying that I'm naturally an introvert but then in many occasions I feel very extroverted especially yeah. if I find someone that I really connect with I just talk so much like mm. my friend my childhood friends they always say oh my god Christina like you talk so much like genuinely <laughs> every time we meet they're like oh god like you literally like <laughs> not stop <laughs> talking they're like where is she gonna stop? <laughs> But then maybe because I feel comfortable in that. Yeah. So, whereas yeah. If I'm in an unknown environment and I don't know anyone and I don't really know what is happening. I feel like more of an observer and I just like take it all in what's around mm-hmm. me. I so think it really depends. I think I maybe think in the middle of that. One. Yeah.
1: Okay. Agree bonus. Unco- so low would be uncooperative, antagonistic, suspicious, has trouble understanding others. And the other one, the high one is cooperative, kind, affectionate, friendly, compassionate, trusting, compliant, understanding.
0: I'm super affectionate. I think, I think, I think it go. it comes back to how I'm feeling. So when I'm feeling insecure, Mm -hmm. when I'm feeling down, I'm like a bit more weary of people. I'm like, Oh, I'm not very trusting. Whereas that's naturally I like, yeah, I love hugs and I love like talking to people and like, I love spending time with my loved ones, but then that is when I'm feeling really happy and you know like excited about stuff like I was on a call with my friends the other day and they were like oh my god Christina we're so happy you're like um like what is the word um bubbly brillando. no like you know uh sparkling yeah you're like shining like oh shiny um with like happiness you know because like, like you bright. seem to so happy about it. yeah Um, yeah there's another word I can't remember but <laughs> like bubbly um, <laughs> I guess yeah yeah with like your new job and stuff like you're naturally always really happy and they said that and I was like am I maybe when I speak to them I just because I really enjoy their company so maybe I I show that side of myself whereas in other circumstances when I visibly don't enjoy being there like I don't know I went to this festival the other day and I just really did not enjoy it because it wasn't my vibe it wasn't like the kind of music that I like um and yeah, I was just there like mm. <laughs> so you could see in my face I wasn't like oh sparkling or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think it
1: probably you're right. I think it depends on the environment, but I think we tend towards more like high for this one. Um, and then the last one is neuroticism. So low is not easily bothered, secure, takes things at face value, emotionally resilient. And then high is tense, moody, anxious, sensitive, prone to sadness, worries a lot, and quickly sees the negative. I feel like I'm probably, um, obviously it depends on the situation, but I feel like I'm a little bit more high. Like I'm definitely a lot more like anxious and sensitive and tense and prone to sadness and worries a lot. <laughs> um, so I feel like I'm probably a little bit high for this one depends against these the the the, depends on the situation because other times I'm like oh I don't care like I'm secure in this but I think that's probably my natural my most natural
0: like response being high for this one yeah I'm trying to think back to situations of stress and I think I've just gotten good at not getting anxious because I used to be so anxious and like the tiniest thing but now because I've gone through, oh, I'm not going to say I've gone through shit because like, not really, I'm so privileged. But like, just stuff has gone badly in the past and I've gone over it and I've cried my first share back then. So now I'm like, you know what? I'm already used to it. I'm resilient. Like, I can get over this as well. And I just don't even, I don't get as affected by it. So I would say mm-hmm. I'm le- like, I'm kind of high. I would say maybe like a six. <laughs> if, okay. If, yeah or six and a half mm. yeah. as again again it depends on the scenario but I think I'm way less you know I don't get as anxious in situations although I'm very sensitive still like I think that's just my nature and yeah I'm trying to be less so but again is when you feel most insecure most vulnerable that you show these sides of yourself a bit more yeah that's true yeah um
1: okay and the last category i feel like we've probably run over time have you kept time
0: i think we went way over time <laughs> <laughs> i last time i looked at the clock it was like an hour ago <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll just run so through you, the you last one is that, was that the last one the neuroticism uh yeah that was the last one ah, perfect. i think it was okay. five yeah that was the big five yeah
1: okay so that was all the category for love and the last one is the brain of the body and the headings are basically, so forward thinking, essentially just think a lot, thinking about the future, <laughs> like just, yeah. Um, and it also talks about um, like school and adults and thinking about how you think about problems when you're in school and when you're an adult, like how you solve different issues um and when you're an adult you have to you're in the real world you have to adapt and you have to find answers to in certain situations when you're when you're in your uh, when you are in school you have a different way of thinking like essentially when you're in maths class you are given a maths problem and you have to problem solve but it's not a real situation so it's just different um different environments so yeah that was kind of what the chapter talks about um the other ones calm yourself so just you know make sure that you are you can calm yourself down that you are okay with criticism and you like learn to be a little bit more what's the word like learn to take hits and when there's criticism and you get hate and you get you get these kinds of things like learn to bring yourself back up and learn to not bring your your self-esteem down and you um and and learn to watch out of your ego and and just things like this like make sure to calm yourself down because because when, adult, when
0: you I was gonna add as well sorry like when stuff goes wrong on the outside like external factors of, of making you feel upset and under pressure there's already that much stress externally that there's no need for you to beat yourself up as well like that is just gonna make you spiral down you just you need to I mean it's easier said than done but like ideally you want to be strong enough to pull yourself back up and be resilient and get out of that dark hole
1: definitely and yeah there's a a couple of others but I feel like we are running over time so I think overall I just want to give a brief sorry I want to give like a uh not a summary we've already given a summary, more than a summary but I just wanted to say what we want to do like what we rate so would we recommend the book and what we rate the book out of five? And I feel like this would give us like a good indication. And then we'll also talk about the book that we want to talk, that we want to get you guys to read for for this month. So I'm going to start off by rating the, I'm going to start off by rating the book, what I think about it. I'll probably give it a... Can we do decimals? <laughs> okay let's do decimals I, I haven't actually thought about my rating so I'm doing it on the Me spot neither. Should, <laughs> should have thought about it before but I'm going to give it a like 4.2 or four like four 4.2 the reason as to why I think that is is because um the book does give good advice But I don't think it's anything like groundbreaking. It's nothing that you probably don't already know. I think some things might be like, oh, this is nice. I didn't know this before. But I think overall, when I read it, it's not like it absolutely changed my life. It's not like I didn't know most of the things that were in the book. So it's kind of maybe like a good refresher. But I didn't learn anything that was, as I said like super spectacular um I do like how the book is laid out and the chapters and it's easy to read and she gives examples and research and essentially she is like the narrator so she does talk about her practice and her the stories that she's heard obviously all the names are anonymous but um she does give give good stories so um Yeah I think 4.2 and would I recommend it definitely I would recommend it if you feel like you're not too sure about your work love and overall well-being lifestyle and you want to get some tips I think it's very good but if you're quite clear on maybe you say you're quite stable in your relationship or you have quite a stable job and you know where you're headed um, and you're quite good at keeping, you know, making sure that you have good mental health and good physical health. And and all these areas, if you feel like you're quite stable, then I guess I mean you could still read it. I think you could definitely benefit from it, but I think it's more for people that um that are maybe at a point in their lives where maybe they've graduated and they're not too sure what they want to do, or they're still at uni, or maybe they have a job, but they're just not sure like wanna do something else and
0: they're just not sure how to make the the change in the move. So
1: just yeah, that's my opinion. What about you, Case?
0: Love it. I think this book is a really good reminder of what we can do with our time during our 20s. And as you said, it's nothing groundbreaking. We know most of this already. A few of the things, I mean the one about fertility, I didn't know that was really interesting. And I think, it, I guess it depends on who picks up the book because you and I, Moni, we are quite into self-help and this book is really that. It is a self-help book at the end of the day. And because we're so into it, we already know a lot of this stuff, but someone like a lot of the patients or clients um, that Meg Jay has in her practice and that she talks about in her book, those people really like made the most out of their sessions with her because they got to flip their life upside down for the better so I think that is very helpful if you find yourself in a similar situation and you want to you know really get your shit together (laughs) and yeah I in terms of a rating I would probably give it a four as well because I mean I don't want to give it less like it was good and as I said it did seem somewhat preachy at some points I felt I guess it it depends on the way that you take it like you may just read it and say okay yeah it doesn't have I don't have to follow it like to the T but yeah it did feel like you know you have to have all of this stuff ready when you're still even getting to know yourself and there's too much going on in your life so yeah take it with a pinch of salt you know you're on your own journey just take your time take the advice that you feel is applicable at the po- uh, this point in time and good luck <laughs> definitely but, but yeah it's, it's a good book um really good eye opener if you if you're not into this kind of stuff and
1: definitely
0: I think it's positive one I want to wrap up by uh sharing one of the anecdotes that she mentions in the book that I, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned in other episodes episodes as well which is this what the airplane anecdote or an um, analogy, sorry, um, that talks about, imagine you are wanting to fly from New York to Los Angeles, right? You're gonna start flying all the way across the States. And if you all of a sudden realize that you wanna fly to Miami, right? in Florida, you, you only have to do a small detour if you just left the airport, if you've just like taken off. But if you find yourself all the way in, who knows, Nevada, <laughs> I don't even know, does it go through there? Like, is that, is that the correct route? <clears throat> then it's so much harder. You, you have to like almost turn 180 and like fly in the opposite direction to go to Miami. So that is really, your 20s is really just, you're just taking off. You know, you're starting your journey in love, in work, in your body, in your brain, etc. And I mean, it's never better than never. But if you find yourself at 50 years old and you think, oh, my God, I'm not doing it. I'm not where I want to be. It's way harder to flip your life upside down. So, yeah, do it. It's now, still yeah. possible. It's still possible. but, but- yeah. Now's the time.
1: <laughs> definitely.
0: And it's never too late. Whether you're eight years old, it's never too exactly. late. Honestly. It's never too late. But it's easier now. And that definitely. is definitely like the easier you start in anything, like you want to get good at a sport. Start as soon as you can.
1: Yeah. Act now. Thank you so much. That was really, really good, Chris. I really enjoyed this podcast. Sorry, we <laughs> ran over time. So we to finish now. But thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you next week. We didn't say what we we're gonna read. Oh, for yeah, the next time. sorry. So, <laughs> Chris,
0: do you wanna announce what book we're so, gonna let me cough for a second? <laughs> sorry, I've been unwell, so I'm like trying to cough as little as possible. Um, so the next book that we're gonna read for the next month is called Prisoners of Geography. Um, it's by Tim Marshall, is that correct? I, I've read the book a while back. Um, but yes, it basically is a book on geopolitics, it talks about why countries are as powerful as they are and it talks about the different geographical um locations of each country yeah. and why they're so powerful etc it's, it's really fascinating and it uh, talks our- about why
1: certain countries maybe haven't been at war because of like the mountains and and different um geo what do you call them just just generally like different barriers maybe that they've had Mm -hmm. and how different countries interact and and the relationships that they've had and how these can be um due to where they're where they're situated and where they're placed and it's quite interesting
0: definitely I have not finished, so I'm still reading yeah no problem but you're in the same situation as our listeners if you want to read the book for next month uh, in about four weeks perhaps we'll we'll release the episode I mean we'll record it and <laughs> um, you can read it with us uh, we'll publish it on our Instagram or other social media and yeah you can read along with us I mean I've already read it but let's pretend I haven't <laughs> and we'll talk about it in that episode and we'll see what we all think and we'll rate it and everything great and yeah, so feel free to send us your your thoughts on it as well
1: and then I think for the next book clubs as well we'll want to get your input and um you guys let us know even now what books you want us to publish in the book club and I think it would be it would be great to get your input in those definitely bye bye